kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, fellow Sky Watchers from all corners of the globe. No matter where you're listening from, welcome to Sky Watchers Radio. As always, we are the Sky Watchers that you're listening to tonight, Alan and Angel. Angel and Alan, the dynamic duo of radio. Say hello, Alan. Hello, Alan. There you go. He's so dynamic. Now, our third amigo who joined us last week, Eugene, is not going to be on with us uh, today. Unfortunately, he is feeling a little bit under the weather. So, shout-outs to Eugene, and um, he'll join us probably next week here on Skywatchers Radio. Now, we are broadcasting live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio, live from New Logic Entertainment Studios in Miami, Florida. That's where I'm at. Where are you at this week, Alan? I am in sunny Kissimmee, and if we're live, we have to tell them what day it is and what time it is. Well, Just to prove that it's live. Well, depending on where you are in the country, if you're east of the Rockies, see how I did that? Oh, that I've never heard someone say that before. Never, right? Well, where I'm at right now, it's 1 a.m. in the morning. That's right. 1 a.m. in the morning, 10-22-2014. 1 a.m. It's so late. But it's all good. We have it's a great show. No, early. no. It's, well, it's too early. Yeah, well, it's too late. It's too early. No matter how you look at it, though, we're going to have a great show tonight, Alan. Because you know who's going to be on with us, right? Someone I haven't spoken to in a long time, but good, good guy to talk to. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and the most authentic guy out there. Honestly, probably the one of the few abductees that I've ever spoken to that I really believe. Honestly, 100% believe that this man went through what he said he went through. And, of course, I am talking about none other than Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky himself. Mr. Travis Walton will be with us within the 30-minute mark. And, um, you know, for those of you who are expecting to to get a little open mind news with Alejandro Rojas, unfortunately, he won't be on with us this week. He's going to be on next week. I know last week we had some hate mail, and some people were were upset. You know, they were mad because he wasn't here, and I apologized. And I'll do it again on behalf of Alejandro. See, and you're going to have a kick out of this when when we talk to him next week. Oh, you tell he was involved supposedly in some kind of a, a film shoot with uh, Mufon today. Now he wouldn't go into too much detail, but it was Mufon. Hangar files or the Hangar One files? No, he said something. He was telling me something about it, it was a Mufon uh, boot camp, and they were doing some filming. What? So yeah, that sounded cool. That's all I'm saying. I don't know exactly what he where he was going with that. He wouldn't tell me too much, but hopefully next week we'll we'll hear more about this Mufon boot camp. Maybe it's a training to get MUFON certified or something. Really? 
is there such I'm a thinking. thing? Well, that's what I'm thinking. MUFON certified, huh? Like, how do you pass that test? You know, to become a MUFON state director, you have to go through this. They have this whole course book that you have to go through to be able to identify and record and and, and jot down all the information that's proper. So maybe they have this getaway boot camp retreat, some kind of um, team building kind of a thing. They were on a corporate retreat for MUFON. I don't know. I'm just trying to no. figure it out. I really don't think that was anything close to what they were doing today. But he did say they were well, shooting. If I don't have film. the details, I gotta make. If we don't have, you don't, you know, this community. If we don't have details, we gotta try and figure it out ourselves. Yes, indeed. And here's the thing, though: there is film shooting supposedly going on at this boot camp. So uh, we might see something on Open Minds uh, TV pretty soon, or on the website openmindstv.com, uh, or openminds.tv. Sorry. Uh, you, you know, just, uh, I'm sure they're going to put something on there in the next uh, week or two. You know, they're shooting stuff at the boot camp. Dun, dun, dun. Leave that mystery for next week when we actually talk to Alejandro Rojas. We will pick so, his brains. I'm intrigued now, man, because I, like, look, you know, I'm into the whole MUFON stuff. I have always wanted to, like, you know, snoop around at the MUFON headquarters and see what they know. But they, they have become. the hanger. The MUFON, the MUFON thing is in the hangar from the TV show, isn't it? Uh, no. Anyway. Oh, by the way, Nancy says hi. Season? Hold on. Nancy oh. says hi. She wants to know if you're still under the weather. Tis the season. <laughs> no. So that means no. Uh, you know, I'm still a little bit under the weather. Um, I don't have Ebola um, this week. Um, let's see. Hey, hey, here's an interesting question. Why is it the Bill, the Bill and Melinda Gates and the U.S. government have the patent on the Ebola virus? Huh, that's a good question. I have Any, no answer Anybody want to theorize an answer that's listening? Please send a message one way or another what you guys Call think. Call in. We'll take your call, 786-245-8127. By the way, uh, we will have open lines uh, when Travis gets on the on the show later on. And uh, if you guys want to ask him any questions, uh, this is a great time to call in and interact with, uh, you know, a legend in ufology. Because, you know, let's be real for a second. You know, the movie uh, Fire in the Sky is, is a great movie. You know, it's a, it's a great pastime. It's a piece of entertainment. It was good. I enjoyed well, it's it. A great, it's, it's a great thing. It's a great movie to get the word out there that it right. happened. But... You know, but. a lot of it was a lot of the things that happened that they show that happened while he was in the ship um, is not entirely accurate. None of it is actually. And, uh, you know, Travis, I'm sure. Uh, in, in fact, if anybody heard uh, Jimmy Church's show last night, I'm pretty sure you heard him. I actually kind of talk about this a little bit on there because he was on Jimmy Church's show last night. Oh, was he? OK, I missed yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he uh, and he went over it a little bit and. um you know, we'll, we'll ask him about that when we get on when we get him on here because I am pretty sure and and I remember right when I had him on uh, the Jackal's Head on 2009, he told me that he was always interested in redoing those scenes or remaking the movie, and he brought it up on uh, Jimmy's Church yesterday again. And I think he really should. I think he go he should you know find a movie company that is willing to invest in the, the story because it is a great story. And if you haven't read the the book yet, my God. Get this book and read it. It's a, it. What happened to him is so much more fascinating than anything that you saw in that movie. Anything. Now, here's the interesting question, though. Since he sold his rights to his story or his life, 
can he actually make it or he's got to go to another studio or did it expire or what? I mean, hell, that's hmm. this is a Kickstarter campaign waiting to happen. You think? I think in- we can get enough ducks in a row to do it. I, Gee, should, th- I would go, think about, I would think go with Indiegogo. But th- think idea. about all the people that I know from from this world that um, – that would be that would love to have a hand directing this. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding? Think about and what that they, for a second. And what they could do now with special effects? I mean, they could really make oh, a beautiful good. movie. Are you kidding me? Oh, it, it would be both visually stunning and story compelling. Yep. Now, who would you get to play Travis though? Because you know, DB Sweeney, who was great as Travis in the movie, but you know, he's a lot older now. You know, Travis was a young guy back then. Well, I, I was going to say, how old was it when it happened to Travis? Well, he was like in what early twenties. He's a young guy. The question is: Is do we go with a name that everyone recognizes, or bring someone out of nowhere like um, like Paranormal Activity did? Good question. I almost like the idea of having an unknown for certain roles, and you know, this is one of them. You could, but it has to be somebody who looks like Travis, I think, to really pull it off. Even though DB Sweeney looked nothing like Travis at all. Not even a little bit. Um, he was a guy. He, well, that he did have. Yeah, he, he he had the utensils. He he was male. Utensils? Wow. Um, wow. I'm trying yeah, to be I clean. I don't man. know how to say that. You know. I'm just he, trying to be he clean. He had all. He had all the right. The, he had all the right mechanical parts. Um, yeah. There you go. That's much better than utensils. Good job. Yeah, because you. Yeah, because utensils you could put in the dishwasher. If you did that, that would be really painful. Well, so people enjoy that kind of pain. I don't know about you, but... Don't! Not me. Anyway, uh, what Travis is going to be talking about tonight also, by the way, is not only his case uh, and what happened to him in the 70s, but uh, there's a, a Sky Fire Summit coming up. In fact, uh, it's on November 5th. They're going to have a, a pre-conference event. And uh, the event actually begins on November 7th and runs through Yeah, isn't that in 9th. Arizona? That is in Arizona. Yes, it is. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, that summit and... Uh, you know, this is the the anniversary of uh, the incident, so uh, it's a it's a special uh, event, man. This is, this is something big. I mean, we could say this is the biggest thing that Travis ever experienced in his life. I mean, that's without saying. Right. This is the 39th anniversary. See, what right. I want to do is have a massive, major something on the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Or the that'd 40th. Really cool. We have no choice, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure they're going to have this like every year. This uh, Skyfire Summit. In fact, I am positive they're going to have it every year. And unfortunately, this year I'm not going to make it out there. But if you know next year they have it again, I, damn it, I want to be there. And you better be there too, Alan. I will fit it into my busy, busy schedule. Yes, indeed. Now we have a couple of uh, stories that we want to get to uh, before we uh, go off and break land in about 15 minutes and uh, get Travis on the line. Uh, I know that you came up with a doozy, my friend. Yeah, I mean, this is from the Mars Orbiter itself, from their own whoa. image. Yeah, like, uh, you, you told me, you're, you're going to go, whoa, when you see this, Angel. And when I saw it, I went, whoa. This was, this was that good. It was a whoa moment. Now, tell the audience about this video. We believe that the Mars Orbiter actually has a photo of a literal flying saucer that it took recently. And there's no other explanation for what we're looking at. This looks like your traditional saucer-shaped object. 
traditional. Now, here's I mean, the thing, this is though. Yeah, this is, wow. Here's the thing, though. How big is this object, and how far away is it from the orbiter? All I know is that there are 60 images. Um, they're not giving much details, obviously. It's, it's NASA. Never a straight answer, correct, yeah. Exactly. But this is... All, folks, you've got to see this. I think you it, should put that link up on the website. It's or, a whoa! It's a whoa moment. Yeah, I'm going to put it on the Facebook page in a second here. Of pay, uh, that's facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. Check us out there in a minute. Uh, now, th- this is the caption on this video, and I've seen it like five or six times now. So you'd send me the link. It says a possible flying saucer or, or base has been photographed on, uh, by the Mars Opportunity rover. The anomaly uh, taken from a microscopic imager. Now think about that. Microscopic right. imager is visible that's in why 60 it's a little images. Gr- that's why it's a little grainy, I'm assuming. It ain't no it ain't no hubcap, I can tell you that. No, definitely not. Not a hubcap. It says it's visible in 60 images in the NASA Archives uh, Paranormal Cubes video. So I'm going to post this in a second so everybody can check it out on the uh, Skywatchers page. It's a, uh, definitely a woe moment. I will say that much, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just drooling at that one, you know. And what about the stuff that they've been fi- finding that flying in the air on Mars as well? They've they've done some of those too. Have they? I mean, I haven't read any uh, of that stuff. What have they been finding on the air? Well, uh, it's out there. Uh, well, that's a great answer. That's sorry. There's only so much I can Google right now. <laughs> the truth is out there. But anyway, I just posted this uh, this video. It, it really is a wow moment. I mean, when you see when you guys see this, uh, now this is on beforeitsnews.com, which they've had uh, kind of issues with uh, you know being reputable and they just post anything on there. So there is always that chance that this could be uh, you know a hoax, a fake, a fraud. But man, I'm hoping this is real. Yeah, this looks too um, too perfectly shaped. Well, that's the problem. It's too perfectly shaped, but you know. When, it's a saucer, dude. So it's good. That it's a it's, saucer, dude. It's a. It's saucer. an amazing video. It really is. It's a, I mean, this is uh, this is pretty cool. It's just everybody go check it out. It has no uh, real audio. At least, uh, well, my volume is down, so I really can't tell. Uh, but it's on the other uh, Facebook page again. Facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. If you guys want to check it out, as we read along on some of the stories here. Next, we're going to uh, go to another story. This is from Open Minds, by the way, which of course we get a lot of news and information from. Darn you, Alejandro, for not being here. Yes. Damn you, Alejandro, for not being here. I I said darn, not damn. You did. Well, I said damn. You said darn. Darn, damn, damn darn. Uh, But check this out. uh, And I'm the one who usually goofs up on the the censorship here. Yeah, no, but I don't think that word is censored. I think the one you keep dropping is, but not that one. You know, that one's okay, I think. I'll be careful to drop neither. Yes, good job. Or is that uh, either? Neither or neither? Neither, neither, neither. Well, whichever works. Well, hell, what do you know? You're Spanish. You don't know when grammatical errors when you see them. Wow, that's just wrong, dude. No. I'm just having fun with you. Come yeah, on. It, 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 it's one fifteen in the morning. We could have a little bit of fun with each other. Yeah! We could poke fun at each other. You know, when you say it like that, it just sounds all kinds of creepy and bizarre. But anyway, moving on. This story, 
This Ooh, story huh. off of Open Minds, check it out. It says, Mysterious craft uh, off the coast uh, in, of Sweden sparks hunter or a hunt for a USO, which, of course, is one of my favorite subjects, Alan. You know, this unidentified submerged objects. Uh, they're coming from the inside the earth, man. All I'm right? telling you, there's so much of this world there's we some, still not there's, explored. There's something to this. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge believer in the hollow earth theory myself. I, I don't fully back that theory, but I do think there is some truth to these uh, USOs, man. I think they're, they really are uh, spending some time deep, deep, deep in the oceans, and we just can't find these suckers. And that's where they're, they're coming from. A lot of these, are, I believe, are coming from the ocean. But it says here, I, mysterious... I think that's some validity there. But, you know, there are some people saying it's just a Russian sub sneaking around. Yeah, those darn Russians. A mysterious craft uh, which uh, surfaced at, in the Baltic Sea has left Swedish... Uh, Swedish... Uh, messed that up. Swedish? Swedish? There you go. Forces scanning the Swedish. oceans. Swedish. That's why I was shut, just joking around. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. With oceans, uh, specialized uh, sensors, and some speculate that the high-tech submarine could be in the area. Others uh, suspect more mysterious forces are at play. Submarine, like you said, right? There you go. Uh, ships, helicopters, and troops were said to be investigating foreign underwater activity in the Baltic Sea, 30 miles off Stockholm. A photo was released yesterday showing what appeared to be a craft surrounded by white ripples, which was said to have then submerged. Now, and I'm going to quote here, it says, I've decided to increase the number of units in the area, units with uh, specialized sensors. Commander Janice uh, Whitker, um, I'm going to butcher that name, Wickstrom, 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 Jonas Wickstrom. Anyway. Type. Yeah, thank you. Uh, told reporters at, pre- at the press conference, uh, he said, uh, well, yeah, it could be a UFO. That's what he said. Anyway, UFO uh, websites such as uh, latest UFO sightings are convinced that the object might be a USO. Of course, there's... I'm expecting no, what's his name to, so with his evidence. hair to go. I'm expecting what's his name with his hair to go. To aliens. Oh yeah, Giorgio. He's a good guy. Actually, I just saw someone on the internet that actually cosplayed him at New York Comic Con. I was thinking, Brilliant. dude. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, you know, somebody should be him in a cosplay outfit. I mean, that would be brilliant. And somebody it did it. Yeah, he actually had the word aliens uh, in white letters, actually made out of foam on his shirt. So it looked like it was the photo. That is so cool. Yeah, it was a riot. I, I hope I see that photo online one day. Probably will. I'll find it for you. Good job. Send it to me. Now, says uh, here that, uh, and I'm going to quote again. He says, uh, could the mysterious Russian submarine actually uh, be a Dutch sub, or this is just another mysterious activity involving a USO? The site asked. Nigel Watson, author of UFO Investigations, uh, said, uh, Manuel says uh, that uh, in the last 100 years, I know this, 100 years, there has been a study, transi- uh, a study transition from seeing apparently terrestrial biological sea or lake monsters to seeing USOs or extraterrestrial aliens in their crafts. That's interesting in itself, isn't it? I think it's Nessie riding around in a Hogwarts flying car. <laughs> Nessie learned how to fly a UFO. Hey, you never know. Ah. But that is interesting. People are not seeing sea monsters anymore. They're seeing alien spacecrafts now. Now, I wonder how much the movie The Abyss yeah, has to do with that. That's on the uh-huh. whole. That's not just in that part of the world. That's just on the whole in general. Because yeah, up until, exactly. Up until 100 years ago, you got to understand, we didn't have really the, the concept of a UFO. The same way when Columbus discovered America, the Indians saw the ship coming towards them. 
They just couldn't exactly explain or identify what it was, so they ignored it till it hit the ground and saw people come off. Right. That didn't work out too well for the Indians, not did it? No, not really. No, nah, no. Nah. They're doing pretty good now. They don't got to pay taxes. They have great casinos. You know, they're doing all right. You do know where they originally landed. You know where Columbus landed, right? Uh, Costa Rica? No. Close enough. Cuba? Um, yeah. San no, Cuba. Yeah, okay, never mind. We're not yeah. going to go through this one, yeah. Yeah, I don't need my history lessons uh, tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, now check out another story Pass. from OpenMinds.tv. Humanoid UFO baffles pilots. Aviation experts are also baffled by this thing. Yeah, humanoid oh, UFO yeah, would it, baffle somebody. Yeah, that would yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on. It, there is a, I don't know how fast it goes, but there is a model plane in the shape of superheroes and people that you can buy and fly. That's probably what they're seeing. But checks out, pilots of a passenger plane were caught off guard when a flying man shot across the side of their plane at 3,500 feet above the English town of uh, Mecclesfield. Mecclesfield. Man, all these tough words today. Mecclesfield. Anyway, the incident occurred during the afternoon of June 13, 2014. So it was not that long ago. Uh, the plane, an Airbus 320, was making its landing approach at Manchester Airport when the pilot saw the flying man zipping through the sky within 100 meters, approximately 328 feet of the plane. The pilot initially thought that it, the individual must be a paraglider, but the witnesses didn't see a canopy. The sighting was reported to air traffic control, but the UFO did not appear on radar. Well, if it's a person... I just, then, sent, you. Yeah, I just sent you the link. you got to see this. Okay. Well, what do you think about this? Uh, human, have, have you ever seen the videos from Mexico with the humanoid um, being that was like floating in, in, Yeah, on but the it mountain? always looks like a witch or something, doesn't it? Right. It's yeah, that's what everybody witch, says. Uh, the flying the, witch. Uh, you know, on the uh, broom's handle. Right. Yeah. Well, kind of. Well, kind of looks like that a little bit. Yeah. yeah but look at, at the link that I just. Yeah. I'm yeah. At superhero. That, yeah, but can it fly that high though? Thirty-five hundred feet is not that high. Now, if you said thirty-five thousand, yeah, we'd have an issue there. Thirty-five hundred oh. is just a what? Maybe a two dozen story tall building or something. Still pretty high though. I mean, I know people that flew it over um, San Diego Comic-Con to get people's attention. Hmm. I was kind of hoping it was a, a, a humanoid alien flying around, though. I'm kind of disappointed you just showed me that. I'm sorry. I Bursted my bubble there, buddy. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, this is... Uh, it, uh, I don't know whatever happened to that story with the, uh, the flying uh, witches, but... Um, there were some cool videos on that. I mean, and that didn't look like no superhero on a string, dude. I got to admit, you're right. That was more than convincing and compelling. I mean, and that was, of course, uh, who put that out? Was it a Jaime Musan who put that video out? I'm honestly not sure who put it out. Uh, but uh, let's see. Which is, who's the Venezuela most prominent UFO guy? Well, it beats me. I don't know. Venezuela? They have a UFO guy? Really? Does anybody know, know that? If anybody out there listening knows that, please call in 786-245-8127. Let us know because I have no clue. Can you Google that, by the way? Uh, I'm Maybe? Not, no. I, I can't Google right now. Oh, well. I don't want to know what you're doing that you can't Google right now. But 
I'm um, sort of having dinner when I'm uh, pl- pressing mute. Oh, that's why you're, you keep pressing mute. Yeah. Ah, well, let me go to the next story here before we run out okay. of time. We have a few minutes left before we got to go on break anyway. Uh, keep eating your food there. Grub, grub. Nom, 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 nom. Never do that again on the air. Never. No. Never. Come on, nom, anyway. nom is such, it's such an internet Oy. meme. Or meme. Is it meme no. or meme? I think it's meme. Huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. it's meme. Now, check out, this is from artbell.com. Um... And this is a pretty interesting image from Mars Orbiter of Comet Passing Mars. Have you seen this picture yet? Have you seen the uh, the link? Yeah, that was interesting. And uh, if you guys want to check it out, again, it's on artbell.com. It says, the high-resolution image science experiment, H-I-R-I-S-E, or high-rise, uh, camera on NASA's Mars uh, Reconnaissance Orbiter uh, c- captured um, views of a comet. And uh, this is actually, how many pictures are here? Like, what, four? I mean, they all look like a blurry white comet. Yeah. It's like four of the same images, but they're really not. But anyway, uh, it says here, the images are the highest resolutions ever acquired of a comet coming from the Oort cloud uh, at the uh, fringes of the solar system. Other spacecrafts have approached and studied comets with the shorter orbits. This comet flyby, this comet's flyby of Mars provided uh, spacecrafts at the red planet an or- opportunity to investigate from close range, which is really cool. The highest resolution of the image of the comet, a uh, nucleus taken from a distance at about 86,000 miles have a scale of about 150 yards, which is pretty damn big. And obviously, uh, yeah, that's about 138 meters. Telescopic observers have uh, modeled the size of the nucleus at about half a mile. Whew, that's a big boy. Uh, okay, now, hold on. Here's the question. How come we stopped hearing information about that asteroid that was near Mars that had something that looked like a monolith on it? Because they never want to tell you about stuff like that, Alan. Come on, you know better than that. No fair, what? I know. I mean, w- w- do you think NASA is going to tell us more about the monolith on that comet on you know circling Mars? Or was that on the moon? Wasn't that on one of the moons of Mars? The monolith. Yeah, one of the moons of Mars. It was a small, small size. Uh... Yeah, it was. Uh, what was it? Um, Phobos. I think Phobos two. I think it was. No, it wasn't Phobos. It was. Was it Phobos? Oh, it was another one of the moons. Yeah. Yeah, I never heard I don't anything know, else I, I don't know that. which one. But it came out, and then they sort of shut it down. If anybody has any news on that one, please send us a link. I want to know. You know who we should hit up for information like that? Alejandro. Yes. Maybe but next he's not week, here tonight. No, no, no. Maybe next week. Maybe it's next all week his he'll fault. join us. It is all his fault. He's just but listening okay. and laughing at us, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Well, him, yeah, him and this girl are just uh, cracking up right now. But it's okay. I'll get more hate mail this week because he wasn't on the show. Which is funny, man. People really love Alejandro. It's funny. Last week when he wasn't on, immediately I had like 20 people sending me uh, fast blasts, wormhole messages, emails, private messages, Skype messages, text messages. They were even sending me stuff through like, you know, different websites, the, the P- PSN websites, the Facebook websites. I was getting it from everywhere, man. Where is Alejandro? Yeah, but nobody calls in. Why don't you guys call in? Well, they do after the show's over, which is the amazing part. I do th- hope that we're going to get some call-ins tonight, though, because we, we're going to have Travis Walton on. An icon, folks. Not I mean, an icon, uh, a piece of history. A legend in ufology. I mean, like I said before, this is the the one person more than anybody else in ufology that I believe was abducted. 
I believe his story 100%. I really, really do. And if you guys don't take part and actually call in and, and ask him what you've always wanted to ask Travis Walton, then shame on you. You're a loss. Yeah, this is an opportunity that really cannot be missed. Yeah, seriously. With that said, we are going to go on commercial break now, and we will be back in a few minutes with Mr. Travis Walton himself. So stick around, guys. This is Skywatchers Radio on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN. We'll be right back. UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Listen to Podcast UFO at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC GMT each Wednesday evening. We take a look at our fascinating universe in our astronomy segment. And then host Martin Willis interviews guests on topics including UFO sightings, abductions, and cover-ups. Guests are noted scientists, sighting witnesses, investigators, and skeptics, and have included Stan Friedman. Leslie Kane, Colby Landrum, Travis Walton, Dr. Seth Shostak, Robert Hastings, David Jacobs, and many more. You can even interact with our guests by joining the chat room live at podcastufo.com. So, see you this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And remember, in the meantime, keep your eyes to the sky. This is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio, Thursdays at 5 p.m. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts, in the food, air, water, and during sleep. Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. You know what you're really communicating. You're screaming to cell phone corporations, please put a chip in me. Past shows have looked at issues involving electromagnetic weapons, satellite stalking, RFID, orgone and organite, illegal fluoridated drinking water for infants, airport radiation scanners, secret societies, energy vampires, psychopathy, and surveillance, sex trafficking, disaster capitalism. So tune in to In Other News, Thursdays at 5 p.m. on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. 
put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Remember, Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy, I, Karumba, Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. everybody we are back on sky watchers radio live on the dark matter radio network and of course psn radio with our guest this evening none other than mr travis walton himself travis thank you so much for being here tonight and spending some time with us on the show thank you sir all right it's always fun to have you on and uh and talk to you and it's been a while since i've actually gotten to speak to you you know how, how's your life treating you in the last uh, couple of years travis you've been busy oh yeah been busy it's just <laughs> uh, um and it keeps getting busier all the time. It's kind of strange, you know. <laughs> you, you figured, you know, stuff would slow down after a certain period of time, but you seem to get more and more busy as the years get by, don't, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, even the, the movie uh, it, it plays more often on various cable channels than it than it did before. That's amazing, isn't it? It, it is kind of having like a, a resurgence in popularity. I've noticed a lot of people have been talking about it more and, and stuff. Like we were saying earlier in the show, I don't, I don't know if you were catch, uh, if you caught the earlier part of the show, but uh, it was a good movie, you know, minus the flaws that you know that they changed from the book. Uh, it, it is a very entertaining movie, and it is a, kind of a good introduction for people to, to get to know your story. Yeah, it, it did uh, kind of open up people's willingness to look at the facts, and you know. Um, it does capture the basic, um, you know, emotion that I, the way I interpreted it at the time. But, you know, over the years, I've come to reanalyze all these events and, and look at it a lot differently than I used to. It's, it's amazing um, 
you know how time would change your views on certain things, uh, especially like the incident itself. Because I'm pretty sure you know when we spoke last time, you, you made a point to say that uh, you would never want this to to happen to you again. But recently, you've kind of come around, and you know you've, you you want closure. You want to maybe know some answers. I heard. Yeah, and you know I'm thinking that uh, you know just analyzing all the different circumstances, things that point in in the direction of of what their idea, you know, that, of course, you know, the thing that, you know, was heavy on my mind for, you know, so many years was why, what was, what was the purpose here? And, uh, you know, a lot of things just weren't fitting as far as it being any kind of a, a, a situation that was totally indifferent to my welfare. You know, I'm, I've come to look at it was as possibly much more benevolently uh, motivated than I ever thought before. Yeah, benevolent, but hang on, are you saying it was benevolent but yet still traumatizing? Oh yeah, because yeah. you know when I when I regained consciousness, I was in such pain, and the claustrophobia in such a cramped space was the, the what amplified that was the feeling of suffocation. I just couldn't seemed to get enough oxygen. Now, whether that was due to some kind of injury to my lungs uh, that because of the energy beam that had hit me, or whether the atmosphere in there wasn't correct for humans, whatever the circumstance, you know, the feeling of suffocation will cause a feeling of panic that you just can't overcome, you know. It's true, yeah. Devastating, I you know, is what I would call it. Well, and also you got to put yourself in the in your in the position that Travis was in. I mean, when you wake up and you you're in a strange place, you see these strange beings coming at you. I mean, you know, not for nothing. It's no, you know, not, nothing to be ashamed of. But I mean, any human being would go into like a panic attack mode, and and when they see something like that, it's not your average well everyday well, the thing. question with well, I don't know nowadays with. All the information and all the stuff that's on TV and on the internet, do you think that people would be more, I don't want to use the word relaxed, but more blasé about it? It's like, okay, I'm on a ship, don't panic, don't freak out, just don't, you know, probe me and just drop me off where you found me. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, you know, a lot of people think they would remain calm. But that feeling of suffocation is something that you're not, no matter how mentally prepared you think you are, it's, it's something that you're not going to overcome. You know, and I, I give the example of waterboarding that, you know, it is so effective as an interrogation tool, yep. even though, the, you know, the enemy is totally familiar with the, with the technique and they even train for it. Heck, our people train for it, knowing that it's not going to kill them. Uh, but they, it still works because, you know, that feeling of suffocation, it just operates on an instinctive level. All right. That's a fair answer. Yeah. Now, there's a question that um, somebody wanted to ask you, and they, they begged me to ask you this question. Um, they wanted to know if you ever have given any thought uh, to the possibility that maybe the aliens or the people or the beings that took you uh, took you to uh, the Dulce underground base, which was not that far away from where the incident happened. Uh, did that ever cross your mind at all? Well, I haven't, you know, connected it specifically with Dulce, but, you know, you know I did 
speculate that it could have been underground or underwater somewhere rather than being off on some distant uh, uh, celestial body or even some uh, bigger ship somewhere. It could have been underground, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. They show in the movie uh, scenes where D.B. Sweeney was weightless. Did you actually experience that portion? No, no, that was so they stretched it a little. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask that, you know, just a little bit. Matter of fact, you know, uh, the the feeling of weakness might not have been just because of the no, not weakness, weightlessness. Might have been uh, heavier gravity rather than weightlessness. Right. Well, I mean, if they're so advanced that they can come here from another galaxy or wherever, I mean, I'm pretty sure they figured out how to have you know the the whole uh, you know dynamics of uh, gravity on the ship, you know where. I mean, they, they would have figured that out a long time ago, anti-gravity and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, you probably felt their atmosphere inside the ship, and it was just too much for you to, to breathe in, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'll go with that one. Yeah. Now, have there, were there any reports, Travis, I've always wanted to, to ask you this, you know, that you were aware, aware of, were there any reports in Snowflake or in that area uh, pre to your abduction, um, uh, you know, that people had sightings? Were there, was there like a... A, uh, a rush of people, uh, you know, coming forward with, with sightings, or was there a lot of talk or buzz about sightings in the area? Well, uh, there were some cattle mutilations in the media in the local mm. paper uh, in the months prior to it, and that kind of uh, stimulated a little conversation at work. But other than that, you know, uh, getting access to the sheriff's uh, file on the case. Um, they received quite a few reports from hunters and campers who were in the area at the time and described seeing craft just like we saw. So, you know, it could have been the very same craft. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Skyfire Summit uh, event coming up, uh, which, by the way, it's right next month. Uh, we're only a few days from this thing. It starts on November 7th, runs through the 9th, Correct. Yeah, and uh, we've got um, a lot of the top speakers in the field. What I wanted to do with this, after somebody finally talked me into doing it, was <laughs> was to have a, uh, something that really speaks to the local and regional communities, you know, mm. that, that is kind of a foundation course, of Ufology 101. And so, you know, the speakers that I chose and the topics I asked them to speak on uh, is towards that end that uh, people can understand the the, the evidence and the scientific uh, principles that uh, support the reality of this is happening. And you got some great speakers to this thing. Uh, it's committed already. Kathleen Martin's going to be there. Linda Moulton Howell's going to be there. The great Stanton Freeman's going to be there. Uh, it's just a, it's a great lineup. Uh, Richard Dolan is going to be there also. Chris O'Brien. I mean. A huge amount of people that are that are yeah, very and I've got uh, three Native American speakers, and that's you know important because you know we're we're surrounded by various uh, mm. uh, reservations here: the Apache, the Navajo, the Hopi, Zuni, you know, the Pueblos. Uh, you know, it's I spoke in, in Gallup here a couple of years ago, and you know, I had almost a thousand people in the audience, almost all Native American, and it was really fascinating to learn about things that are going on in the in the farther reaches of the reservation that normally don't uh, make it out to... Uh, Did any of them have a similar experience to you? 
turmoil. There's all kinds of uh, sightings <laughs> and involvement. And, and this one guy uh, was telling me about how his grandmother had a, a rug that was woven, and it was depicting a scene in which the uh, a meeting with these beings. And wouldn't that be something uh, to... Uh, Tell me there's a photo of that rug somewhere. I would love to see it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that'll end up on openminds.tv. Well, on the 25th, they're having a, a, a UFO film festival in Gallup again, and I'm going to go over there, and if I run into that guy again, I'm going to... I know it's... I'll probably meet with a stone wall, but I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> That you're going to be on uh there's going to be um an open minds uh, event in February. You're going to be there also, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And uh, you know, I got a, a lot of different things coming up. The contact in the desert thing is uh, I've been invited back there and you're a busy man. Now we, we were talking about earlier on the show before we got you on about the film itself and uh you know, Alan here had a great question. Uh you know, who owns the actual film rights? Uh, to fire in the sky. Would you own them, or is there a company that owns them currently? Did it revert back to you? Can you actually yeah. do well, another they're, they're, interpretation? Uh, their sequel rights expired after four years, so I own all the rights. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't see a sequel coming out of uh, that movie. Is it is it time to actually redo this movie and oh, yeah, have know, it from your I, perspective? I have been in dis- uh, in discussion with some major filmmakers and. You know, when the time is right, it's it's going to happen because you know Hollywood loves a remake, and the public really yeah, wants it. I've I've collected hundreds of emails from people that would like to see a more accurate uh, remake, and and I would like to see something that you know uh, reflects my my increased understanding of what happened there. Now, who would you get to play you though this time around? Because obviously, DB Sweeney won't be able to play you know much older actor now. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I, you know, that's up to them. But you know, somebody was trying to suggest that my son ought to play me. Because, hey, that's a good idea. But he's a dead ringer for DB Sweeney, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd actually, be kind you know, of ironic. He came with me to conferences, and people were saying, "Oh, you brought DB Sweeney with you." I go, "What?" <laughs> well, he see, there you go. He was born to play you, Travis, in the movie. He was born for it. Yeah, D.B. Sweeney now looks like Renee Zellweger does now. Wow, that's just mean. <laughs> Have you seen what she looks like now? Yeah, no, it's true, but it's just mean. You don't say that on air, man. It's that cool. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> of course, you could always send hate mail to my email address yes. uh, at the at the station here. It's coming, it's coming. <laughs> He's going to get a lot of hate mail for that one. D.B. Sweeney's a cool actor, man. No, I yeah, didn't yeah. say he wasn't a cool actor. He just He really I- does kind of look like her. You're saying. He ju- but, I uh, just don't think he aged well. I'll be joining DB on the um, autograph circuit. Uh, you know, he's been getting a lot of requests, probably more than any other movie he's been in, for Fire yeah. in the Sky, uh, sky uh, memorabilia. So, I mean, that's kind of like the movie he's really remembered for the most. I mean, he, he's been in a few good movies, but I mean, when I think D.B. Sweeney, I think Fire in the Sky. See, Robert Patrick, who who was in the movie also, uh, he, you know, he's known obviously for uh, The Terminator. Yeah. So I mean that that's the the one he's known for, but I mean DB Sweeney definitely is known for Travis Walton, and uh, you know let's talk about the the, the people that were on on the uh, they were there when when you were abducted that night. Uh, one in particular who has come forward uh, a lot recently, uh, Steve Pierce is uh, I'm sure uh, somebody you've uh, you've 
talked to in some of these circuits with and you've gone on uh, some of these conventions with and that uh, you've uh, done lectures with uh, recently. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts of uh, some of the stuff that he's coming forward with in the last couple of years? Well, you know, when he first came out, you know, he was he was great, you know. he Everybody, you know, liked him. He's got a great personality and everything. But uh, it was a big step forward for him because, you know, he had hidden out from this for 30 years and didn't yep. want to do any talking on it. So it was very therapeutic for him to finally come out and be validated in that way. And uh, as a matter of fact, you know, the the positive reception he got uh, went to his head. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm the one that broke trail. I mean, it was a, <laughs> it was a lot rougher back in the early days, but so yeah. he came to a ready-made, very you know, warm reception, and uh, he became so intoxicated with the attention that uh, you know he. Um, started getting kind of negative, like he was really jealous of me, and I, I was kind of surprised at some of the things he was saying, you know. Now, do you, do you believe yeah. a lot of the stuff he's coming uh, out with, that, you know, all the, uh, the supposed abductions he's been a part of? No, I, I mean, I, I, I've i never... Uh, um, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. on anybody's <laughs> experience, you know, yeah. unless I investigate him, but uh, it just doesn't... Um, Doesn't well, add up. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. I know. I understand. It's, it's a tough one. Uh, you know. Oh, there's no politics whatsoever in, in ufology at all. No, but you know there. You know there's a, a relationship there, Alan, and I, I can understand that. You know they were friends for a long time. So uh, it, that's a, that's a tough one. But I, look, I've spoken to Steve uh, Travis, and I've had him on the show, and yeah, he, he does come off as a very nice, uh, nice person. But when he starts going into some of the supposed up, you know, abduction scenarios and paranormal stuff that's happened to him, it, some of it is just a little weird to connect. He's had way too many different type of experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little tough. Uh, you know he's. Oh, he's, he's you know he's got a difficult life you know there's a lot of things going on in his life he's not really managing his love life all that well you know every time I turn around he's being kicked out by another girlfriend and but he keeps on getting girlfriends so it can't be that bad yeah. that's true <laughs> so you got to look at the bright side got to look at the bright side of everything well, that's part of the reason he gets kicked out is because he's looking for the next one while he's still with the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I, I I used to have that philosophy myself. I always want to find Miss Wright, but I always end up with a bunch of Miss Wright nows. <laughs> yeah, well, trolling the internet and you know being found out. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, never use the internet. That's some scary stuff you find there. Ooh. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, it can never end well, especially when you are known for ufology-based stuff. Yep, just think about the. Uh, you get that one psychotic fan, and you're in trouble. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, I'm pretty sure you get you know some crazy fans uh, approach you, Travis. I mean, has it gotten uh, more uh, to the point where you're recognized more and more and more now these days than you were back then? I mean, do you go anywhere and people just automatically recognize you and go up to you for autographs and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, that happens occasionally. Does it really? Is is that a little bit weird? Because I mean, it, you know. You're a celebrity, but you really, you know, you're not an actor or, or a well, movie star. Well, I'm not anybody that seeks attention. As a matter of fact, I've been kind of unfair to some of the people that have uh, recognized me, you know, because I'll say something like, 
yeah, people are always telling me I look like that guy. <laughs> and then they go off, and then they find out later it really was me. And I, I shouldn't say, hey, aren't you the guy? Nope, I'm his other brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't in Snowflake, Arizona when that happened. No way. I was, uh, I was in New York. That wasn't me. But you look just like that guy. That must it, it, that must be weird for some people who might not, uh, you know, believe, but maybe they see you and, and when they interact with you. Uh, have you had people that were skeptical at first, and then they talk to you for a little bit, and then they completely just change their opinion on you just for oh yeah, talking in to almost you? every case, you know, uh, you know, if, uh, an interviewer comes around and talks to me, and they wind up being much more uh, uh, believing when they leave than when they came. You know, they have all kinds of assumptions that. Uh, um, What's the worst know. predisposed opinion someone has had of you before they met you that well, you've changed, obviously? Well, you know, that I'm a liar or that I'm crazy or, you know, or some of both. Those are the <laughs> kinds of preconceptions I'm talking about. Okay, so it's not that bad then. No. <laughs> Now, how many lie detectors have you passed over the years? Because I know that it's been more than, than half a dozen, at least, right? More than that. I've I've uh, passed five different tests from three different examiners, and all of them top-notch examiners, all of them with many years of law enforcement experience. I mean, there are some people who, you know, do lie detectors, but, you know, they're more, uh, less less well-trained than, than the ones I... Uh, That's a gentle way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always find it funny when skeptics uh, try to debunk Travis's case, and they're like, oh, well, he must have been lying. And then you bring up the whole fact that he's passed all these lie detector tests, and they're like, well, that's not admissible in court. Oh, well, that's funny. It's not admissible in court when it proves or it shows that he's... I know. admissible in court in many states. And the last two polygraph tests that I took, I deliberately went to a state where it was admissible in court Mm -hmm. because I wanted the highest, most rigorous test I could get. And, uh, you know, if six people testified that they had witnessed a murder, you know, that's open and shut. That guy's going to the the chair. But if six people testify that they witnessed a UFO abduction... Then all of a sudden we got a quibble, and that's without lie detectors. Yep. You know, and then you got six people passing lie detector tests, and that's not enough for these people. I would say that the bar is either too low for the death penalty or too high for uh, UFO sightings. Choices, choices, choices. I say we flip them around. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think it is too high for UFO abductees. Uh, Here's another question for you, uh, Travis. Uh, You know. Disclosure, you know, what you guys are doing is kind of a form of disclosure, doing the conferences and talking about your experiences. You know, Edgar Mitchell coming forward, that's a form of disclosure in a sense. Uh, you know, what tra- what Stephen Bassett does every year with uh, his movement, uh, which is something that we support greatly here on Skywatchers Radio. Uh, that's a form of trying to get disclosure out there. Uh, but disclosure from the government itself, it seems like it's so far away that to the point that I don't think it's ever going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Now, as, you, as you've gotten older and you've lived with this for so long, uh, do you think that there's going to be this disclosure anytime soon? Do you think you and I would live to see disclosure? Well, I support uh, Stephen Bassett's efforts, and I think that in spite of the fact that, you know, that I kind of agree with you that the government's not going to say, okay, 
we've been lying to you all these years. <laughs> right. Now we're going to fess up. And they're never going to do that because that would be suicide for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nevertheless, what what the Disclosure Project is, is doing is really bringing, it gives a sort of a, a format to bring out the evidence uh, in favor of these things, these kind of hearings and this kind of uh, press conferences. It, it, it really does have a positive effect. Now, as far as actual disclosure, uh, not not voluntary from the government just because it's of popular demand. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of, of other things, governments? There's a what lot of other... popular demand that the government's never going to give. Well, that's true too. Yeah, but what do you think of but, other governments still coming forward with what they know and you know talking about it a little bit more freely than the U.S. government? Yeah, they do. You know, in other countries, so that, you know, it's kind of harder for our government to maintain that position. Uh, in 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 the presence of these other countries coming out with it, but I think that if there ever is disclosure, it'll come one of two ways: either some undeniable incident, you know, a landing or a crash site in the middle of a populated area, something where they just can't cover it up anymore. Right? They can't say that's a weather balloon, <laughs> yeah. or some whistleblower, some Snowden-type guy, gets a hold of the files and goes public with it. Um, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, but you know what? Even if something like that happened, there there will be somebody immediately, I think, trying to uh, cover it up. Oh, yeah. I mean... That can be pretty elaborate, the lengths that they go to cover things up. I mean, I think, and honestly, I've talked about this with Bill Burns before, uh, Travis, and, uh, you know, he's big on the whole JFK assassination, and I think part of what happened with JFK and why he was assassinated was because he found out some of the truth that the government knows about UFOs and other conspiracy stuff, and he was going to come forward and talk about this stuff, and he was going to air a lot of this stuff out because he didn't believe in secrecy. I mean, there's that famous speech that he gave about secrecy. And uh, I think this is part of the reason why he was killed. And there you go. This is the the man who held the highest position in the land, the president. And even he was killed to be silenced. So what, you know, what the rest of us, what what, what can we do? You well, know? There's, yeah, <laughs> there's no limit. So. Yeah, there's none whatsoever. Now, are you a believer, like, in uh, you, the NWO, New World Order, uh, Illuminati? Uh, do you think that plays a part in, in this whole thing, this conspiracy with UFOs? Well, certainly that that there is um, forces and organizations and you know primarily economic that uh, are yep. are more powerful than elected officials. Elected officials only have a short term. Some of these people are for life doing what they're yeah. doing. That's true. Like uh, the Bush family. <laughs> To name a few, uh, I'm waiting for Jeb Bush to run for president. Watch. That's going to happen. That and there's another Bush in the wings after Jeb Bush. Uh, I forget his name. Michael Bush. I think his name. A third Bush brother. Uh, yeah, we're going to have another Bush president pretty soon. I, I can guarantee it. Uh, and then they say there's uh, there's actually free elections in this country. That's not rigged, right? I'm voting right. none of the above next time. <laughs> I'm voting none of the above. 
Now, have, you know, it's funny because uh, we, we talk about this on the show a lot, Travis, about the paradigm shifting uh, within the, the world of ufology and the paranormal and stuff and how it's now more acceptable in society to believe in aliens, uh, to believe in this subject. Uh, but here's the thing with, you know, with the growing problems that the world has, you know, and not only the economical problems, but the wars and everything of that nature, uh, you know, it's very tough for the average person to think about UFOs and aliens and really pay as close attention to this subject as you know you normally would want them to because of all the other stuff going on. Do you think a lot of that stuff that's going on is you know the, the wars and everything? Do you think might, some of that might be a, a form of of a distraction to keep us away from you know these subjects? Uh, because honestly, this is really I think the most important thing to, to discuss. The are we alone question? I mean that is yeah, you the know, number one that's question. Probably one of the most popular techniques of, of mm-hmm. manipulation of public opinion is distraction and. It's not always uh, world events. Sometimes it's just popular culture, you know. That right. People Kardashians. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I should talk since I was on that show. You know, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh... but it's true, though. I mean, it, it, it's not only uh, the Kardashians, but it, there's distractions in a lot of things. Uh, but the war itself, I, th- like, I think some of the wars that are going on right now are manufactured wars. Uh, just to keep us, you know, keep the war machine going, and and no, that in itself all of is the manufactured wars. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But it, especially the the one after nine eleven. I mean, my goodness. I mean, this is uh, this could have been written by somebody in Hollywood. How well it was written up. Yeah. Now let me ask you, Travis. Uh, have you done any uh, any thought, or have you put any thought into uh, writing a follow up book uh, soon to the Fire in the Sky book? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, uh, to reflect my, you know, more evolved understanding of what happened, and plus uh, newer research that uh, uh, evidence that's coming out, and uh, you know, some ongoing follow-up research. Oh, really? What kind of research? Can you tell us a well, little bit about instance, some? Well, for instance, you know, the uh, the um, tree growth uh, at the site. Uh, the uh, really tell us about that. Well, uh, you know, the trees nearest where the craft came down exhibited uh, extremely rapid growth. Well, only recently was one of my organization team came and located this uh, research about the effect uh, of Chernobyl radiation on Scott's pine tree uh, species, that the radiation actually um, made those trees grow at three times the rate they had previously. So, you know, that kind of supports the idea that that may have been the source of uh, the rapid growth. Interesting. But, uh, some of this follow-up research on the site is pretty exciting because, you know, people who are skeptical about, you know, the cause of this rapid growth were saying, oh, maybe there was more water available or something like that. But... Um, Two things happened. One is uh, when National Geographic was out there, on camera we discovered a tree that had been logged the year before the incident. And here was a tree of about 200 years in age in which the growth rings were fairly uniform for 200 years. And then after? It was, was, you know, demonstrating the fact, sort of a benchmark, uh, uh, concerning the growth conditions for trees right there on that ridgetop. 
And then on top of that, the other thing was in this more recent uh, expedition back there a, m- a month or so ago, it was discovered. See, when when the tree rings were cored uh, 15 years ago, um, the there was great care taken to prevent the killing the tree. So it was a core sample that just went from the surface of the tree to the center of the tree. But now that the forest fire has killed a lot of those trees, there's no harm in getting a full cross-section. And that was amazingly revealing. The thickened growth was on the side of the tree towards where the craft was. And, you know, we took pictures of uh, a tree uh, north, east, west, south, you know, on the four points of the compass from uh, ground zero. And in each case, the thickened rings were towards where the craft was. And that was just an amazing validation of the idea that there was a source, a point source, for the cause of this uh, rapid growth. Have there been any really other major researchers that have looked into the location and the incident that really stand out in the crowd for you? Well, not really. You know, a lot of those uh, uh, samples were taken to Pinelandia Labs, but Dr. Levengood has passed away, and so that was, you know, kind of hasn't been followed up on very thoroughly. I was amazed at how long after the the phenomenon was discovered that there was no scientist eager to, you know, look into it and see what, what was up. No one really has expressed additional interest to it? Well, recently, a, That's member shocking. My, a member of my team went to the University of Arizona tree ring lab and uh, was basically given the brush off. So, you know, this is something mainstream science does not want to look at. Interesting. This that is- doesn't shock me at all. The mainstream science is uh, not interested in looking at this stuff. Uh, you know, mainstream science is controlled by institutions that put money behind what they're doing. So I'm pretty sure they're told not to look at this stuff and, and just back away from well, it. Well, you is, would uh, think, you know, ostensibly yeah. the definition of science is an open-minded yes. <laughs> uh, attitude towards inquiry, and it is as far from that as you can get. Yep. You know, the idea of orthodoxy is anathema to science, but that's actually what we have as an orthodoxy. Yeah, unfortunately, Travis, science has been bought and paid for for a long time now. It's not uh, a real, legit institution anymore. It's, it's bought and paid for by bigger companies and corporations. Uh, it's not what it used to be 100 years ago. Yeah, medical science, uh, you, you name it. You know, there's, yeah. there's an economic motivator and, and controlling factor behind all of it. Yeah, no, it's 100% true. Now, what, what do you think of uh, people that say, for example, that um, you know, a lot of this stuff might be propaganda from the government. Uh, they, they're actually putting false information of aliens uh, or UFO contacts or abductions like your own case. Uh, that is all brainwashing and uh, manipulation by the government to fool us into believing that there is aliens coming down because they're trying to force some kind of, uh, of mass hysteria with a possible fake alien invasion uh, to spark more wars. I mean, do, what do you say to people that say stuff like that? You know where where's the where's the evidence? Where is this false flag invasion? <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. You know, actually, you see evidence on both sides. The attempt mm-hmm. to suppress, 
You know, right. uh, Project Blue Book and all that was, the, you know, the stated intent was to show that it was nothing. And so uh, you've got suppression on the one hand, but on the other hand, it is a very useful cover for certain uh, covert military-type developments, you know. Um, yeah, but some of this technology that you described and so many other people described, yeah. it's still not something we have access to, I don't believe. Yeah, but it still serves as cover because, you know, the people, and, the, and especially our enemies, will wonder, well, is that really something that we have? They can never be sure. Keep them always guessing. Yeah, and even I do believe that there is uh, some truth to uh, the government having stuff that is just much, much more advanced. Now, how much of that you know is back engineered from alien crafts? That's the question that everybody really needs to be asking. Uh, but you know, how much more advanced do you think the government is uh, with these black budget projects and they're leading on, Travis? You think they're maybe like a hundred years, two hundred years? Well, you know, you know when the stealth bomber was unveiled to the public. That was 30-year-old mm-hmm. technology at yeah. that time. Yeah. So, you know, what do we have that's... Uh, yeah, but wait a minute. It was 30-year-old technology, but so many of us knew about it before they debuted it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and more people were confused thinking they were actually alien UFOs flying around. Uh, there were re- reports of that in the uh, in, in before a couple years before. Uh, it was actually on the news. They reported as UFO sightings. Well, yeah, and some of these uh, black triangular ones, I think, mm-hmm. are uh, ours. Yeah, like Art Bell. Whether the one Art Bell saw. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, back-engineered or not, you know. Now, do but, you believe Roswell happened? Uh, Travis, I've always wanted to ask you that. Do you believe that the Roswell incident was a legit spacecraft that landed here and crashed? Well, yes, and and you know why? Because we've had four or five official government explanations. If it, if it didn't happen, <laughs> one would have been enough. When they've got to come out with another and then another and another, and, and none of them hold water, uh, that's, that's kind, of a, kind of a perverse sort of endorsement from the government. You know? <laughs> Either that or they're really bad at lying. <laughs> well, that too. I think a little of both. <laughs> Which you know, makes me... It with makes these, me chuckle, with though. With this population, they don't have yeah. to be very good at it. You know, if people <laughs> don't want to believe, just throw anything out there for, you know, for, you know, like like the dismissal of my case. Oh, they just saw the planet Jupiter. You know, <laughs> it doesn't fit the description in any way. But people that want to glom onto some way to, you know, put it out of their minds, then that's fine for them, you know. The kid that comes on there and claims that the crew was chased through the woods by Air Force helicopters on maneuver. No way does it fit in the slightest. Nobody in close proximity to a helicopter would be able to would mistake it for anything other than a helicopter. Say nothing of the fact that a helicopter cannot flow or fly through the forest below the trees because right. the, the blades would hit the trees. It's just yep. Unless it's a really, really, really early prototype of a drone. <laughs> Yeah, in the seventies, I don't think so, Alan. That's yeah. Well, you're saying thirty years. Do the math. <laughs> I don't think they had drone technology available uh, like that. We saw a clearly defined metallic disc. Yeah. You know, we if we could see the structure of it, you know, there was nothing helicopter about it. 
Oh, I believe you. I believe you. Just helicopter, some you know, is, is a huge downrush of air that would be blowing pine needles and debris everywhere. You know, Travis, what always intrigued me about the, the book and, you know, the actual details of what happened to you was uh, the human-looking beings that you saw on there, uh, in the ship uh, and how human they look to you. Uh, I mean, if you saw one of these beings walking down the streets, you can really, there'd be no difference between them and us, right? Well, the average person wouldn't see much difference. I think I might recognize certain, you know, characteristics, but, yeah, but you know what? I assumed that they were human to begin with, but I think that it's entirely possible for uh, there to be very similar uh, species to humans in more than one place out there. It's not mm. defying the odds at all. You know, UFO skeptics are very fond of saying just the idea that they would have two arms and two legs and a head on top just defies the <laughs> odds. They always right. imagine it has to be some, you know, totally bizarre thing. You watch, mark my words, when we send a probe or in some other way, determine for certain what life is like on other planets. We're not going to be astonished at how bizarre the forms are. We're going to be astonished at how similar they are. By the way, I agree. Uh, and Travis, uh, that noise you hear is 760. You're live on the air on Skywatchers Radio. We are going to take calls. Uh, you're live with Travis Walton. Uh, do you want to ask a question? Hi, this is Heavenly Angel. It's nice to talk to you, Mr. Walton. Nice to talk to you. I Heavenly have a question Angel. for you. Yes, sir. Go for, <laughs> it's it. Go for it, sweetie. Okay. I wanted to know, do you have post-traumatic stress disorder from your abduction? Well, they didn't call it back then, but I certainly, you know, had <laughs> some severe symptoms of things, you know. And the Skywatch, the Skywatch that we're going to be having there on that on the fifth—that's the anniversary of the incident, right on the spot. And I'm I'm kind of nervous about that, even with my, oh my. New, new interpretation of their intent. Is there anything that triggers uh, your post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, uh, I imagine being on the site on the anniversary will certainly trigger that too. That might do it. Yeah, <laughs> that might do it. <laughs> Have you actually gone back out there at all, Travis? I mean, since uh, the incident in the last, uh, like, 10, 15, 20 years? As little as possible, but, you know, here a couple <laughs> months ago, we uh, actually went back with uh, metal detectors and uh, Geiger counters and uh, magnetic detection and uh, did, did some follow-up research. I'm, I'm surprised that area hasn't become, like, a tourist attraction area where people just go there and... Talk well, about the people incident. ask me for the directions to the spot, and I, you know, can't do that until the research is completed. That's a good point. Has there been uh, scientists out there uh, besides you guys yourself? Has there been other scientists or anybody else uh, doing any metal urges or any uh, testing for for any radiation or anything like that? In the well, last actually, stuff? you know, a, a, a reporter for the local newspaper said that she was doing volunteer work on the fire watch towers. You know, they build these tires, a tower, so you can climb up there and survey and look for smoke during during mm -hmm. fire season. And she said that this government crew came by and they were doing mapping of magnetic readings on the ground which is not the usual way that that kind of research is done normally they suspend an instrument below an aircraft and then crisscross 
over and and map that those magnetic lines out. But these this crew was doing it on the ground. How recent that, was this? That was the very next fire season after the incident. Oh wow! Huh. You know, I know they. I know you could always get from the USGS topography maps. I'm wondering, does anybody actually have magnetic maps? Well, yeah, but but you know, like I say, they normally make those magnetic wraps maps from from the air. But this uh, crew was doing it from the ground, and I suspect that it was follow up because it had come out in the media that magnetic readings had been done on on the site by some uh, UFO researchers, and they had found that there was um, some really dramatic changes in the level of magnetism and even a pole reversal in the direction that the craft had left. Oh, wow. And That's interesting. spread it out on the clearing and the whole map of that. Uh, wow, that in itself is interesting. Yeah, actually, uh, that's more than interesting. They actually, you know, have a pole reversal. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, is, is that documented uh, somewhere? That Travis, I mean, has that been documented? Uh, in- well, see, the Aerophenomena Research Organization were uh, were you know compiling a file on this case, and um, I was told that it was over a foot thick. Oh wow! And. Uh, that was uh, sort of slipped into um, the whereabouts unknown um, with the death <laughs> of the founders. Oh, that's a shame. I'd love to have uh, read through Gee, that. Gee, we've, we, we've never heard of stuff disappearing for no reason. Yeah, no kidding. In yeah, this no kidding. Well, even yeah. the sheriff's file disappeared. Really? Yeah. I, I, how did that happen? I mean, how does that file disappear? Well, what, what, I was, what was able the answer? To get that, what do they tell you? Of it because the sheriff was uh, had um, some copies in his files at home, but the actual files that were in the sheriff's office, what I just heard recently, was that the new sheriff coming in took all those files out and burned them. Which wow. you know, would think would be totally illegal. I mean, there would be leads that would be useful in solving crimes, uh, you know, years in the future. You, you know, the whereabouts of certain, you know, perpetrators and all that sort of thing. That would be absolute uh, malpractice, you know. For, yeah, it's lunacy. For to destroy those kind of files, but uh, that's the story. Isn't that some type of a criminal offense, destroying that kind of evidence? Well, or do they not consider it evidence because they don't think it actually happened? Well, it's not just my file, but all the files. You know, that's what I was told. Wow. So all, well, all the files dealing with your case? No, all the files, you know, from the previous administration. Oh, no kidding. Wow, yeah, so there was a lot of cases in there, that a lot of different uh, files, documents that could have served different cases. That's Yeah, there's got to be some law against that. Yeah, uh, there's they, no way that could be that could be legal. Yeah, that was wrong. Yeah, but they're I guess they're trying to destroy any trace evidence that might lead back to anything. Yeah. Maybe connecting with you, you think? Well, there was some stuff that uh, I think there's a cover up involved. Yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't shock me a cover up in ufology. 
Someone yeah. gets abducted and they cover it up, or they try to. Yeah, it doesn't shock me at all. Uh, Travis, stick around. We're uh, stick right there. We're actually going to go on a quick commercial break. Uh, if you guys want to call in, uh, open line still for uh, the rest of the show. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. You're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network. This is Skywatchers Radio. We're live with Travis Walton. We'll be right back in about two minutes, three minutes, around there on the other side. Are you tired of the doom and gloom in Conspiracy Talk Radio? Are you tired of the extremist agenda and listening to the man shovel crap down your throat? Tune in to EXS Radio every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, part of the Dark Matter Radio Network. This is Solaris Blue Raven with Hyperspace on Dark Matter Radio. Tune in on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an intriguing show pertaining to covert technology, UFOs, paranormal, mysticism, and spirituality. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth orientated discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. This is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio, Thursdays at 5 p.m. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts, in the food, air, water, and during sleep. Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. You know what you're really communicating. You're screaming to cell phone corporations, please put a chip in me. Past shows have looked at issues involving electromagnetic weapons, satellite stalking, RFID, orgone and organite, illegal fluoridated drinking water for infants, airport radiation scanners, secret societies, energy vampires, psychopathy, and surveillance, sex trafficking, disaster capitalism. So tune in to In Other News Thursdays at 5 p.m. on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. 
you would like an alternative perspective on the news, history, the occult, philosophy, religion, science, symbols, and the paranormal, then tune in to The Secret Teachings every Saturday at 12 midnight on the Dark Matter Radio Network and thesecretteachings.info. We will examine the world without a rigid belief system that prevents us from grasping a true understanding of the complex synchronicities that envelop the world we perceive to live. Namaste. Hi, this is Kayla Ambrose, and I'm your travel guide to the other side. I'm inviting you to join me on the Explore Your Spirit with Kayla show. Each week on the show, I serve as your travel companion as we explore the concept of many paths and one destination, bringing you enlightening and inspiring interviews with world-renowned authors, artists, teachers, and researchers, delving into metaphysical, supernatural, and paranormal topics as well as new discoveries in the scientific and spiritual arenas. Join me here as we explore the mysteries of the universe, rediscover the magic in the world around you, and reawaken your spirituality. It's the shows you want, when and where you want to listen to them, all on the Explore Your Spirit with Kayla show. See you there. You're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network. everybody we're back on Skywatchers radio live on the dark matter radio network and of course psn radio again open lines if you guys want to call in doesn't matter if you're east or west of the rockies the number is the same 786-245-8127 and of course we've been chatting with none other than mr travis walton himself Travis, welcome back, and thank you for uh, being on with us tonight. And again, thank you for being on uh, this late. I know that uh, you know it's uh, not as late few as it is for us, for me and Alan here, but still, it's pretty late. And uh, you know, it's always fun to catch up with you and talk to you. And and you know, and it's funny because we, you know, I see you on Facebook all the time. You know, you, you're very active on there. You have a lot of people that, that chat you on Facebook and post stuff uh, to you on Facebook. Uh, how different is it now with social media uh, playing the big part that it is in our society uh for folks like you and people in you know that have had the experiences you've had uh to get this stuff across to the everyday folks i mean how big of a role is social media playing for for you well i think it's huge i think you know it's probably the major factor for why you know this uh case this, this movie is more popular than it's ever been you know i recently mailed a book to croatia imagine that you know <laughs> uh, some really far off places every little corner of the world is you know the 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 web the internet has really opened up the world it's yeah, a no level the playing field it really has you know it's funny because uh, they're always saying well the new world order is trying to unite the world in one world government well the internet's kind of united the world in a one world web yeah you know what I mean? Bottom up instead of from the yeah. down. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. Uh, Travis, we have a caller on the line. Uh, Chris Brown joins us on Skywatchers Radio. Chris, welcome to the show. And why are you making so much noises back there? <laughs> oh, I just was moving the chair. I'm sorry. Hey, right, how, how you doing tonight, Angel and Travis? And... Hi. And Alan. 
Good. And Alan, yeah, that was me. No one talks about me, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry, you, Alan. I'm sorry. But, uh, no harm, no foul. <laughs> anyway, now, do you want to uh, ask uh, Travis here something? Yeah, I was calling, you know, a lot of people talk about when, when they get abducted and uh, they, they, they prayed or they thought that maybe, uh, you know, praying or something and, and it might just go away. Anytime during your encounter... I know that maybe it's a silly question, but were you sitting there praying and and were the beings when they were above you, were you praying to just to get out of the whole situation? Because a lot of people think, well, alien abductions are, are demonistic or, or uh, you know, are a negative thing. And so I just was wanting to ask you about that, if that's something that... that, that well, that, uh, you know, uh, I really don't think that religious interpretations of this are necessary at all. And yeah. Really, uh, it's really just it's it's what it implies is uh, this has to be demonic because the universe is empty except for us. Exactly. You know, and that that <laughs> yeah. beginning presumption. You know, well, yep. since there can't be anything but us, then it has to be demons. You know, and, or since my religion doesn't specifically mention life on other worlds, then. You know, we have to explain it in terms of religion, and you know that's a that's a slippery slope that can lead to some very dangerous kinds of thinking. I understand, and so, but but I just was just was kind of curious if when in you when in your experience if by praying were you? <laughs> well, let me give you yeah, an example. Yeah, my 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 son was dating this girl, uh-huh. and uh, her priest brought this guy in that gave a speech. To, and called her aside and told her that she should break up with him because her his dad was consorting with demons, you know. Well, mm. this was a Catholic priest that was, was fostering this idea, and it wasn't too long after that that the Vatican came out and specifically <laughs> yeah. said there's absolutely nothing evil or wrong about believing in life on other worlds. So, you know, even even you know very old religions have you know incorporated the understanding that you know it, it's absurd to maintain that we're alone in the universe. No, not only that, they went as far as to say, Travis, that uh, ETs are a part of God's plan. Yeah. Well, what is it you don't understand about all knowing and all powerful? Right. When these people insist that you know. The Bible and religion and God and, and that all that can only refer to Earth, this tiny, tiny speck amongst billions of stars. That's in our, in our own galaxy alone. Is just so narrow-minded that it's absurd. Like, these are flat Earthers. You know, there is a flat Earth society still around, Travis. Not even kidding. <laughs> That exists. That that exists. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny because I had a conversation with somebody who's super religious a a while back, and I've said I've told this story before, and it's really an amusing story. Uh, We were having a conversation about aliens. You came up actually. You know, I told her about your case, and she knew about it. She had heard, seen the movie and stuff, and she's a very skeptical person. And and, uh, uh, this is somebody who is super religious, works for the government. Okay, and I asked her uh, about God in general because you know she's a very religious person I asked her well what do you think God is and she's like well he's a being that lives you know in heaven and he controls everything and this is literally her answer and I told her well let me put it in a little simpler term is God on this earth well no no he's not on this earth oh okay so by your mere definition God is an extraterrestrial 
because he's not off this earth. Travis, this blew her mind. Just the mere fact to think of it like that uh, really just uh, completely left her uh, like deer in headlights. Uh, well, you know, welcome what, to outside the box. Yeah, well, no kidding. you know, people don't understand that just the word heaven, uh, you know, is a kind of a dual definition word. The heavens referred to the sky, right? And uh, and all the little lights and things that you see out there. So. Uh, that's what was originally meant, and you know, people have come up with this kind of dual definition of heavens. When originally, that's what heaven was. Heaven was the heavens. Mm-hmm. I think it, it'll be kind of funny if we end up finding out after we die that heaven is, you know, we conceive it as just outer space, and you know, we our energy goes back into the ether of outer space, and that's really what heaven is. Yeah. Well, you know that song, <laughs> "Heaven is a place on earth." Well. Heaven yeah. is the place off of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so true. No kidding. Chris, you have any other questions for uh, nope, Travis? No, I don't. And thank you very much. I appreciate have a good call. evening. Thank okay. Thank you for calling in, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's the great Chris Brown, everybody. But it, wouldn't that be funny, though, Travis, if that ended up being the case that uh, space is heaven, heaven is space, and there's nothing else after that. But we do continue on, and I do believe we continue on. Now, are you a believer in uh, reincarnation, uh, past life, uh, any of that stuff? Do you, are you a believer in that? Well, I would, I, you know, I don't, you know, Friedrich uh, Nietzsche said uh, some words to the effect that belief is uh, the desire to not know. Uh what that really means is if you have to say you believe in something, then you're not speaking of something as a, as a matter of fact. You know, I don't say that I believe in 2 plus 2 is 4, you know. So, yeah, I, I entertain the concept uh, of, uh, of reincarnation. I do. Uh, that makes two of us. Uh, Alan? Uh, you don't want me to go into this conversation because I got a scientific <laughs> explanation to reincarnation and heaven. Oh boy! Actually, I, I, I'd like to hear your interpretation of heaven. That'd okay. Be interesting in itself. Well, you know that I do some ghost hunting for fun, right? Right. Okay. Now, this is my philosophy on when it comes to life after death and you know the universe and reincarnation. I use the example, does everybody here that's listening have a brain? The answer is usually yes. Right. Does it, does it fire neurons to work? The answer is yes. Right. Do we all agree that is electrical energy? Yes. Right. Has science proven energy is neither created nor destroyed? It just changes form. Yes. Right. So when the body expires, usually one of two things happens. Either A, that energy that causes your brain to function, call it your soul, call it whatever you want, will either A, dissipate into the universe, become one with everything, you know, the mind of God, and somewhere down the line, which I'll get back to in a second, will partially recoalesce, and that's reincarnation. But I'm going to get to that in a second. The other thing that would happen when the body expires is, A, for one reason or another, it'll stay in a localized area, and that's what we call a ghost or a haunt. Does that sound yeah, okay. like it makes sense? Now there, are different, now, there are different reasons why your energy would stay in a localized area. Sometimes it's because of its own will, but other times um, because of where it is. 
Um, one thing science has proven when it comes to ghost hunting, certain types of rock like limestone, certain granites and certain quartz crystals can act as a Faraday cage to entrap energy. So the reason older houses are more prone to being haunted is because they're made out of lathe and plaster and that's limestone, which is an actual – which acts would – which would act as a Faraday cage. You know what I mean by Faraday cage, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. Would, it would act as a Faraday cage to cre- keep that energy, that soul, trapped in a location. Does that sound scientifically, theoretically possible? Yeah, well, you know, the sense. house I grew up in was a lath and plaster. Uh, uh. Right, but ca- it's funny. Castles in the medieval times were haunted, but the wooden houses around it never got haunted. Most of the houses were limestone, granite. You know, there are certain things that act as a shield the same way lead for uh, x-rays. It traps it in. So that's my theory on ghosts. Now, when it comes to dissipating and reincarnation, I'm going to use money as an example. And I know it sounds weird, but wait till I get to it. Um well, hold on. We're getting we're getting callers, so just oh. hold on that that thought real quick. Uh, four no one wants five. to listen to me. You're on the air with Travis Walton. Thank you for calling in and stopping Alan from his uh, long story here. Uh, you're on the air. Uh, you want to ask Travis any questions? Yes, I do. Uh, I usually don't call in this late, um, but I had met Travis briefly. Uh, Travis, uh, I don't think you remember my name, but it was a whole life expo. Uh, in San Francisco back uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, I was in charge of the speaker's room, and I got to speak with you a few moments. Uh, I remember we had a birthday that was exactly a month apart. I don't know if you remember me. I had curly hair and a mustache. People, your uh, your crew chief who was touring with you at the time said, oh, you kind of look like Travis. Do <laughs> you remember any of that? Well, actually, I don't, but I do know that the whole life expos were seemed better back then. Yeah, I think so. But anyhow, the reason at the time I had asked you, I don't want you to get upset. I couldn't reach you on the on an earlier program this week. But um, I won't say what we talked about there, but one thing that I always wanted to ask you, because uh, you're a Virgo, I know that, and I'm born a month after you, and uh, you seem to notice details. And the details about these tall blondes, and I did have a girlfriend that was Norwegian, and I was... <laughs> wanted to ask you, um, did you notice, like you just said earlier, that you noticed a difference in that you could tell the difference? So you don't think that these were humans from Earth that were maybe part of some secret unit, right? Well, that's a possibility, but uh, I also have a, a quite a bit of a, uh, development and a theory about why there would definitely be similar uh, people elsewhere. You know, they don't have to have seeded us here or be, uh, uh, you know, us from the past to the future. You know, um, similar environments on Earth among mm. uh, animals uh, generate similar forms. Right. They can be completely unrelated but uh, genetically, but then take on a very similar form. The American pronghorn is not even a true antelope, but the African antelope is very similar uh, because of the similarity of the environment. There was actually an American cheetah that would uh, pursue the American pronghorn across the plains. And uh, um, so 
you know, the, the, the conditions necessary for survival shape their form. And, uh, well, it, well to I, I just on that, you know, the kind of conditions that are necessary to create machines that can help you cross the vast distances uh, is going to involve, you know, certain forms. It's just... Uh, comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's the case. And I think I always wanted to ask you because some people who have said that these blonde type aliens that they have met have said, oh, we're your brothers. But these, this man and woman that you met, that you drew paintings of, uh, didn't ever communicate even telepathically with you. They were silent, correct? Yeah, but, you know, it's my theory now that, you know, any sort of psychic uh, communication might have been curtailed by that energy hitting me in the head. Because yeah. the EEG that I had uh, immediately after I was returned showed uh, an anomalous pattern that kind of supports the idea that maybe that electrical disruption interfered with that, at least temporarily. Yeah, and, and I had wondered, because um, I don't want to, again, freak you out, but a lot of people report various types of aliens, but the other aliens who... And I, I'm so happy to hear you're going to remake the movie because you told me at the time it was just a bunch of Hollywood bunk that they didn't penetrate you with needles and all the BS and that uh, particular um, uh, movie. I'm glad to hear you're doing it again, but the type of aliens that you had, I never was clear uh, that the ones that kind of floated out of the room, they were not grays, right? They were an unusual-looking group, weren't they? Well, you know, uh, and again, similar forms. I think a lot of what people are describing as grays, and we didn't have that terminology back in 1975, but, no. you know, it actually represents a number of species. And, you know, it just so happens because they come from a similar environment, they're going to have a similar form. You know, the large eyes, obviously every animal on Earth that has oversized eyes like that lives in a very low-light environment. And so that entails most likely a thick atmosphere or a very high in water vapor to block a lot of the incoming light. And so, uh, you know, it's not surprising that you would have a number of planets, you know, that would have the same kinds of conditions. Uh, and, and yeah, and I think that uh, I'm so happy to hear that you've survived all these years and continue to thrive. Uh, you're very believable. I had one more question, if I might. That, from what I understand, you know, in the the movie was more about James Garner as the sheriff, right? And yeah. I, I understand that in real life, the sheriff suspected that your buddies might have offed you or had an accident. Um, but you were actually missing for five days and. What I wanted to ask you, uh, I think it was five days, that when you, that the time that transpired, and you think that they fixed you, you said that it was probably an accident that they took you, it wasn't an abduction. During those five days, did you feel like it was five days, or did you just feel it was a couple hours between the time you woke up in the, uh, examine, in the, uh, the room there, in the craft, and the time that you were left face down on the road outside of your hometown. How, how, what did time seem like to you? Well, I think time was... Uh, I don't think there was a time dilation effect. You know, the theory that, uh -huh. you know, when you travel near the speed of light, that time slows down. Because, you know, the 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 length of my beard when I was returned would, would uh, you know, be consistent with five days. Uh -huh. And I think that although I was probably in a coma or dead or something for part of that time, uh, 
ah. that um, that there is other memories that I just can't access. Yeah, yeah. I had mentioned that when I had met you. I said about getting regressed, and I've heard you since you don't need to go into it, that you didn't feel comfortable, and that's fine. But I want you to know that you're a, a hero. Whenever I bring up this subject, I work with teenagers, and they're very interested. They have a lot more open mind. I'm an old guy, but when I bring up this subject and I get young people that are interested, I always mention your name. I tell them to look up the movie, so I hope the new movie will be even more informative because they're open to this, and uh, I think you're one of the pioneers here that uh, as time passes, people, when we have full disclosure, which I'm trying to support that effort in the United States, that... Uh, You'll be one of the people that'll be one of our heroes. Well, uh, thank you. But uh, <laughs> no, I know you're humble, but you are. Well, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm not a Virgo. <laughs> I'm not Aquarius. Oh, I thought you said it was a September birthday when I talked with you. No, Surprise. no, it was the 16th. I remember, and I'm the 16th of October, so I thought it was right near me. No. Oh, okay. No, uh, well, early February. got that wrong. Aquarian. <laughs> but. Oh, okay. Well, we're both air signs, so uh, that, it's a good place to be. Uh, air signs deal with outer space. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. You, you touch on something, caller, that uh, it, it's very accurate. Uh, when you talk about, you know, telling people about this case and how interested they get in, in, immediately on the case, uh, you know, a perfect example of that is my father, who does not speak a word of English, and he's the person who actually told me about the Travis Walton case when I was a kid. He's the one that took me to see the movie because he was so excited to see this movie and to see, you know, what had happened visually after, you know, knowing the story for so many years. Uh, and this is a person, again, who doesn't speak the language. And he was so interested, and there's a lot of folks in the Latin community and around the world that are interested in your case, Travis. Uh, you know, your story really did open a lot of minds to this yeah. subject. And I think that's important. You know, for a long time, I was just so uh, regretful that this ever happened. You know, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know I've, I gradually came to realize that along with this tremendous burden came a great responsibility. And I, I do hope to, you know, open up some minds and, and and get people ready for our inevitable future is is an open acknowledgement of that we're not alone that there are other civilizations and uh, they're gonna you know be quite a bit of variety in in their appearance and uh, yeah. you know and, and here's the thing though uh, going back to the appearance uh, real quick Another supporting uh, scientific theory to, you know, the assessment that they would look a lot like us or they would be humanoid uh, would be panspermia. If that's a theory that actually holds any water and it turns out to be true, well, if all life is seeded from the same sources and it's all kind of the same building blocks, there's a very good chance that it's going to develop very similar if it lands on planets like ours. Oh, yeah, well, logically, you would yeah. have to know that at least it's at least partly true. Because, yeah. like Mitro Kaka was saying, you know, people keep imagining these other civilizations as being maybe 100 or 200 years ahead of us. But, mm -hmm. you know, based on the age of these star systems, they could be hundreds of thousands or millions of millions. years ahead of us. Yeah. And if they've been spacefaring for, you know, millennia, then naturally they would have branched out and, and be living on other planets, you know. So they could actually... So that's what from 
That, that's what I alluded to, is that a yeah. lot of other people who have seen these humanoid, blonde-looking aliens have said, they said to them, well, we are your brothers. Mm. And, and, and the whole, the panspermia thing, one thing I was shocked about recently, and apparently it's true, is that the space station, which is orbiting, you know, not in, way out in outer space, but certainly out of our oxygen and nitrogen atmosphere, has has plankton Plankets. or something yep. growing, Plankets. lichens yep. growing on it. And that was shocking. And I have a biology teacher friend who goes, what? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, if it's surviving out in space, it shows that maybe those cosmic rays aren't as deadly as they're telling us. Maybe... You well, know, there no, there's certain yeah, but there's certain beings that are like extremophiles that, that live in extreme conditions, uh, and that's what planktons are. And, and these are you know creatures that can live in that. And it doesn't mean that every creature, but yeah, certainly there could be creatures that live even in space itself, which would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? You know, creatures that actually can live in space without a suit or anything like that. Well, figure if they yeah, survive yeah. on solar energy, yeah. yeah, and solar wind would push them to wherever they want to go. And if that's yeah, there was an old Star Trek episode. Even if that's the only form that's being seeded, they could, you know, become more complex over time. And in a sense, they were seeded there from space, panspermia. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, sorry I got the birthday wrong, but I appreciate being able to talk to you 15 years later. And and your your crew foreman, I forget his name, Mike, said, "Oh, you guys kind of look alike," you know. And I still. Rock the mustache and still have some curly <laughs> hair left, so so I don't think I get mistaken for you, but I I, I feel a, con- a kinship with you. Okay, I'll shave the mustache then. <laughs> no, oh, don't insult me. Now I'm a nice person. <laughs> no, you said you you don't have it anymore. Actually, no, I do. I do. I have never. Oh, he says he rocks that mustache. Oh, he's still oh, rocking oh, it. Oh, I got that wrong. Anyway. <laughs> no, I rock it. I rock R O C K. No, no, I do, and and I think we both have a little Scottish heritage in us, don't we? Don't you have a bit of Scotch? Uh, yeah, in you? Uh, certainly U K, uh, Irish and Welsh, anyway. Yeah, and you're familiar with a lot of people who say that uh, the alien, various alien species seem to be drawn to either Native Americans or people of Celtic uh, ancestry yeah. for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they're a precursor to the humanity or the homo sapien that we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I- I'm just wondering if the aliens or who we perceive as aliens are, especially with all the prehistory that we don't know about, from more than 5,000 years ago. I'm wondering if they were here first, they left this planet. Well, Alan, I mean, I talked about this. I talked about this before. The planet's been here for 4.5 billion years that we think. In that time, evolution has probably happened several times with intelligent evolution, intelligent life, uh, maybe very similar to Earth beings or human beings. And who's not to say that some of these intelligent beings left the planet to explore space, came back and wait a second, now there's a bunch of monkeys running around controlling the planet. What to yeah, do? It's like, this is this the, is not the way we left the planet, damn it. What right. <laughs> that's one of the Atlantis theories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, no, I've heard that theory that uh, they left the planet because uh, of some catastrophe and they came back and whoops, monkeys running around. Which, that would make a lot of sense to me because, you know, space is a very vast distance and if you have evolution going on constantly on planets with life like ours you know beings would become space bearing beings and uh, they would travel space we're doing it now 
We're you know yeah. we're literally on the on the cusp of traveling outside of our solar system within the next fifty years, a hundred years maybe with human beings. I mean, yeah. this is a possibility. It's inevitable we will gain that ability, and it's inevitable yeah. we're not going to lose interest in in that sort of exploration because that's the way we are now. I and, just hope we don't blow ourselves down. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that, that was the point I was going to bring up, whether uh, a previous civilization left to do some exploring, which is natural to any species, because mm-hmm. you're going to grow, you're not going to stay static, that maybe uh, whether a meteorite hit us, you know, killed not just the dinosaurs, but and that's how the monkeys ended up taking over. They'd come back and yep. go, wow, man, the place was destroyed. Let's reseed it, you know. Oh, there's even a theory that uh, the... You know, not only the dinosaurs, but there were intelligent reptilian or reptiles uh, running yeah. around, and uh, they, they came back. And the, those are the reptiles, or the reptilians people are seeing. Yeah, I today. mean, when you see all this, you know, when you're as old as I am, and you've seen all the science fiction develop since the '60s. Mm-hmm. I mean, things we see on Star Trek. I met a, a Russian right after the wall came down at one of those whole life expos that spoke for two and a half, three hours, and was showing. You know, Nazi uh, UFOs, that's a whole other subject. But oh, yeah. but then you, you look at Star Trek and you look at the transporter, which we already have the technology. Uh, guys in a lab a couple of years ago announced it, and then it went away. They said they, uh, you know, were able to transport a molecule. And then you go ahead to uh, things like holodecks. And then you mm-hmm. go ahead to the, the television show that used to be called V, which was a bunch of, about a bunch of uh, uh, intelligent uh, reptilians. Mm-hmm. And you figure, who thinks this stuff up? I used to think, what great writers. And now I'm thinking they're just copying all the stuff that really happened and putting it out in the media to try to maybe uh, get people used to the fact that in a Conditioning, few years... Conditioning, my friend. Yeah. Conditioning. Yeah. Or maybe uh, they're tapping into the universal unconscious. <laughs> well, it sounds like Possible, Travis's, yeah. Travis's group were kind of an organic because he said the insides of the ship were kind of smooth and and you know kind of like arteries almost from what I understand. No, 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 no. that was that was the fire in the sky interpretation. Mm. Ah, actually, it was it, very mechanical and very uncluttered. Mm-hmm. Uncluttered. But when you went to the one room when you were walking around trying to get out. You said you sat and there was a chair in the middle of a room and it and it looked like a planetarium and the stars were spinning. Do you think that might have been the piloting room there, the bridge? Well, either 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 some kind of a map room or or pilot room, yeah, or maybe both. But those that guy that came to you and they had helmets on and the and you know you, you said, oh, were you some kind of a cop or a rescuing me? And the guy didn't say a word to you. Did he put hands on you? Well, yeah, he was. He wasn't uh, made out of uh, ether, you know. Was, <laughs> but I mean, he grabbed you. My my question is, did he grab? Well, you wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was two of them, right, Travis? Uh, a couple of them grabbed you, one on each side, and kind of walked well, you no, on. But no, it, they weren't forceful, right? He did take me to where there were other humans like him. And right, I, right. They definitely had a very strong, firm grip holding me <laughs> down. Yeah. I was fighting to to get off the table, and they overpowered me and so uh, but he didn't he never tried to talk to you he didn't make eye contact with you because he had blue eyes right and he, he, did well, he make he eye contact eye contact but it the it wasn't you know people uh, i got an email today where somebody was assuming that they couldn't talk well i never said they couldn't talk i just said they no couldn't. and you know that could have been just because they 
I was out of my mind with fear and babbling like a maniac, and it was sure. really it wouldn't achieve anything to say anything. But you don't think they were android-like, I mean, or some kind of mechanical being, huh? Well, you know, my response to that is, if you really could create a being that could function in the place of a being, if it's sufficient technology, you're not going to be able to tell the difference. It's mm. not going to move jerky or mechanical. That wouldn't, that wouldn't remotely function in the place of a human. Right. Oh no. no and, and if it was a human from Earth, uh, you know, them not talking actually makes perfect sense. They don't want to give away any accents. Yeah. Uh, anything they Yeah, I mean if you, if you hear like a New Yorker accent from one of these guys <laughs> or, or Norwegian. Yeah, or Norwegian, Norwegian. or or a, or a Bostonian <laughs> accent like, "Hey, get over here." I mean, you hear something like that, immediately you're going to be like, "Okay, what's going on? I'm getting punked." You know, so well, what I mean, about the patch away. on the on the arm? Were you able to focus now in, in retrospect? You there said they no had some patch. kind of a. There was no arm patch, or so, I thought in one of your paintings it showed something like that. No, no, that was somebody else's painting. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm glad to get all the facts directly from you, <laughs> and I will definitely get everybody to see your new movie. Well, and I hope. Yeah, that's what we need is a new movie to kind of straighten this out, you know? Cause yeah, a lot of no people, kidding. You know, mix up the, the the real story with the Hollywood version. Caller, well, thank I'm you so the much same for age as you, and it's been a few years since I talked to you, so I'm glad you set me straight. So I'm not giving misinformation here. There you go. Okay. We, that, we do got to let you go, though. We're almost out of time, Caller. Thank, thank you, you for, for all the for time, me. and thank you, Travis. Carry on, man. Be vigilant. <laughs> all right. Good talking to you, Jim. Good talking to you. Bye. Nice guy, uh, Travis. We're almost out of time here. I want to give you a, a couple minutes here to you know talk about the uh, the, the uh, conference again. Uh, tell people how they can get to uh, to the uh, conference, where they can buy tickets to this thing. Uh, promote it, man. Yeah, uh, the website www.skyfiresummit.com is all set up to where you know with either credit card or PayPal, you can just order tickets right there online. But it is really going to be something. This is going to be really unique. Uh, there's the energy that's uh, coming with this event is just really extraordinary. And I've had uh, three different uh, possibilities. I, I don't want to advertise who these people are yet, but nationally recognized uh, names from the music industry that uh, might be attending. Can you tell Very us the cool. song? No, that would be a dead giveaway. Come on, Alan. That would give it away. Yeah, it's oh, a dead giveaway. Come a few bars? No. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like one of the aliens having a Bostonian accident actually speaking to Travis. Yeah. Hey, sit down over here. And that's not a workout. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really do appreciate your yeah, time. Yeah, it was great and, talking to you again. Having you yeah. on here is just a blast. Uh, we're going to heavily promote this thing. It's a shame that you know I didn't find out about the the event until late, and I'm not going to be able to make it out this year. But next year, I, I'll definitely be out there, and I'll, I'll definitely see you in the Open Minds uh, Conference in um, in February, I think that's when they're going to have it, February or March. Yeah, uh, February. February, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to that one, so we'll meet up over there. And I'm just dying to meet you, man. You're one of my heroes. Uh, I've said it before many times. You're you're one of the main reasons why I do what I do today. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and talk to you, sir. Well, nice being with you. And we'll do it again sometime. Love to. forward to it. Looking forward to it. Guys, uh, we're all out of time here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Uh, Keith Rowland over there is uh, giving me the signal that we got to wrap it up. So uh, for uh, Travis Walton, our our very esteemed guest here, and for Alan, my very esteemed co-host, and for all our callers tonight, thank you for calling in and partaking on the show. Uh, This is Dark Matter Radio Network, and we'll be back next week with Michael Heiser. 
That's going to be an amazing show also, so please tune in for that. Stick around for more great programming right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network, everybody. Till then, keep your eyes on the skies, everybody. Good night. Mm-hmm.